Welcome to the Maker Vision Podcast, a podcast where we help you take your ideas from a dream to reality. Each episode will cover topics to help you overcome frustrations we all encounter in our maker community. I'm Trevor Wanamaker, a part-time maker running MakerExperiment.com, and my co-host Stephen Ellis is a part-time woodworker running Old South Woodcraft, and Martina Miller, who's a full-time maker running Naughty by Nature Designs. We've all encountered bumps and pitfalls along the road we call making, and we are using this podcast to help you avoid the same pitfalls. Welcome to the Maker Vision Podcast for episode 42, where we're going to talk about CYA. For those of you who don't know, it's making sure you cover yourself in the event of, you know, contracts, payments, whatever it might be. So what's going on, Martina and Steven? Not much. Um, I think, I hope everyone understands what CYA stands for. But yes, we will be covering some logistical things today. Cover your A dollar sign dollar sign. I was going to just say cover your assets because assets are very important. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very important. Couple concepts now for the cover photo, the image for the episode. (laughs) All right. Well, we're going to have to, I think we'll each come to the table with a unique perspective on what a CYA cover photo should be. Uh, Martina, how's it going? How's, how's, how's California? Dude, it's like perfect weather this weekend. It's been 80 degrees all week, so it was perfect to start my garden and everything. But now I just want to go sit and enjoy the sunshine. But I have to go finish putting Polly on that toy storage thing today and get it out of the shop four weeks later. It was supposed to be a one-week project. Yep. Yep. Well, then you can go crack open the beer fridge. There you go. Boom. Boom. Yes, I've noticed your gardening. And all I can think is like, man, you are not old enough to be that much into gardening, but you love gardening. That's your that's your hobby. I need an outlet. Go back to the walrus oil episode talking about needing a hobby because I turned my hobby into a business and my little garden is not going to be a business for me. I will never grow enough out of that four by eight container to make any (laughs) money. I don't think I don't think you're going to compete with anybody in California for growing vegetables. We have farmers markets daily here at different spots in town. Like that's how it's so agricultural heavy. It's I don't know if I've talked about this before, but I go buy my produce on like the street corners because there's just farmland everywhere around here. So mm-hmm. it's weird to me when I go to different cities or different states and I'm like, oh, we need strawberries. Where do we go? They're like, Albertsons? Like, why is this a question? I'm like, oh, you mean you don't just drive around the corner to some dirt lot and go get your strawberries? My in-laws used to uh, live in Redlands, California, mm-hmm. and they had an orange tree in their backyard. So they'd be like, Oh, I want to go get some oranges. And the first time I heard that, it's like, oh, you're going to go to the store. They walk out in the backyard, pick one off the tree. and like, Yep. Okay. Yeah. You, you got me there. But yeah. then you go, you try to leave California to go to Nevada. And then you get stopped at the checkpoint <laughs> for produce. <laughs> yep. Sir, uh, these these illegal oranges, uh, we're going to have to confiscate those. Well, it made me laugh the one day you were eating the cuties while we were recording Steven or Halos, whatever you are. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, they grow those 40 minutes from my house and you had like, had to have them shipped. So I can't imagine what you pay versus what I pay and how much fresher mine are. True. But at the same time, you know, it, they, because they're, they're such a bulk byproduct, like you buy bags full of them mm-hmm. that like I get, you know, you don't really even think about it. Whereas like, I don't know how common peach trees are in California here. Got those too. Okay. Well, here, I mean, literally, we're a peach state. We have peaches and strawberries, and there's a place called Strawberry US, Strawberry Land USA or Strawberry Country USA. It's literally just fields and fields of strawberries. So getting strawberries here, getting peaches here is never a problem. Pecans, lots of dif- different things. So, I mean, luckily, the climate in South Carolina is good. No, we can't grow avocados or kiwis or bananas. We don't have kiwis or bananas. Really? 
Yeah. Mm. You get, I mean, all bananas come from like Ecuador now, I think, anyways. Well, there's apparently the the rental house I'm in, the people that live here or that lived here, they planted banana trees and they're growing. Well, but they probably won't produce. I have no, I don't know. There's we'll like six out. of them sitting out back and everyone's like, what's up with these weird skinny trees? I'm like, they told me they were bananas. I don't know. I moved in. They told me they were banana trees. That's all I know. Nice. Yep. So what are you guys watching this week? I'm finishing uh, or binging um, season three of This Is Us on NBC. I haven't seen that yet. So pretty much you have invested stock in Kleenex, I imagine, because you've gone through this amount of it. You know what? Season three isn't as emotional as Mm. one or two. So it's nice that you don't feel like you're going to cry every episode you're watching. It definitely gets you in the feels, like right in the feels. Yeah. What about you? What are you watching? Um, just catching up on stuff because I had, didn't have internet for a week, so I'm just catching back up on like all my shows that I routinely watch: Goldbergs and Community, not Community, Goldbergs, School, the AP Bio, like a lot of that stuff. But then I have watched a couple of just like odds and ends, random things. I'm I almost rewatched season two of A Handmaid's Tale because season three should be out very very soon, and I'm super excited for it. I love that show. Yeah, I need to actually catch up. I think I'm on. I'm on season two, but there's a few episodes left, and my wife wants to watch three when it comes out. But it's a good show. Sometimes it's scary how realistic it seems. Yeah, like how like it's like oh, I could see this happening. Well, in in a roundabout way, it has if you think about it. Not that specific case, but it's based on history. It's That's a bunch true. of different parts of history mixed together, so it has, in a roundabout way, happened. Yeah, but then I you mean, can think about this is truly terrifying. <laughs> like you could wake up tomorrow and this could actually happen. Yeah, I think if I remember correctly, I think it's actually the book is set. I think in Canada, but the show is set in the U.S., like the northern U.S., northern northeastern U.S. I don't remember. Poor Canada. It never gets its respect. I know. Hey, The Simpsons did do an episode about Canada, though, and the free health care. There you go. Yeah. So, <laughs> What are you watching, Trevor? The show that neither of you like, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. <laughs> but it, see, or episode three was 90 minutes long and epic. It was see, awesome. I- uh, there's a huge discussion in my house last night because we had company over that and she's also a game of thrones fan so amanda and her and my son that watch it were like all hyped up about the game of thrones and how good it was but yet it was super dark and they couldn't like see what was happening and that like no words occurred and i just felt out of place so for, like, i kind the 30 of minutes they talked about aspect. it so it was I read an article about this and the director wanted to try to make it as natural as it would have been if it happened in that time period. So like he tried not to Aren't use there dragons in it. There's no dragons in the real I mean. life. Like he tried to use art. Of, he didn't try to use a bunch of artificial lighting to make it like light up. He tried to use like fire and stuff as its light source to film the video. I, my friend was like, do I need to renew my my prescription for my glasses? Like, what is happening? Why is it no, so it was, dark? It was super so. <laughs> dark. But it was probably one of the most, like, roller coaster type episodes. Because you never knew what was... You didn't know who was going to die. You didn't know what was going to happen. And overall, I think it was a really good episode. I'm not going to spoil it, but... They did say it took like 55 nights to shoot the battle. Yes, my brother is looking to adopt a dog and he wants to name it Arya. And I was like, I don't understand. He's like, I hate you. He was like, ask anybody else and they'll know. So I figured I'd bring it up with you because you would know. That'd be a pretty badass name. That's that's what I was told last night (laughs) when I brought it up. Not going to lie. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I met somebody. Or call it Ghost. That would work too. That's true. That's true. I met somebody earlier this week out, and they were like showing me pictures of their dog, and it was like a weird name I couldn't pronounce. I'm like, "What? How do you say this?" They're like, "How do you not know this?" I'm like, I, "Am I supposed to know this name? Because it looked kind of like a weird, like 
Swedish Viking Norwegian word, and they're like, "Oh, it's a, it's like the most famous character on Game of Thrones." I'm like, I, I have, I don't know what you mean, fan. I'm sorry, I don't. Well, I don't there's know. a it's... ton of quote unquote famous names on Game of Thrones. So I don't what know. was it? It had like it was like fifteen let it was like fifteen letters, and I think it started with like a T. So clearly he couldn't read it, and that's what the problem. Yeah, was. Yeah, was, that, yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was like, is, it was something like, can you not spell like what's up with your dog's name? I like that it's you can't spell when we like he could yeah he couldn't read it. <laughs> it's not about spelling; it's he can't read. <laughs> Poor Steve! Oh my God, Steven's face right now. I wish I could screen grab uh, it. It's because he tries to rip on us and then we somehow bring it back around. I should have recorded what I said to you earlier, Trevor. Yeah, it well, is you true didn't. true right now. You didn't. Oh, my goodness. Tough luck. <laughs> we need to be able to chat before we record more often so we're all fired up and worked up. Because that was an interesting hour before we hit record. Yes, we've... we've... We've had at least, we've already talked for at least an hour, over an hour. I think we will all be way more lively on this episode than in past episodes because of that. What do you want to roll into the topic then, since you came up with it? I don't know that I came up with it. Someone reached out to us on Instagram wondering about um, warranties and how we warranty our work and how they would go about starting to do that for their products. I think it was KS Fabrications, if I'm correct. That way I can give them the credit when they're listening to this episode. I'll go back and check it a bit just to make was sure. It a direct, was it a direct message to us or to the IG? To the MVP page. Okay. Oh, KH Fabrication KH. was wondering about okay. warranties. So I figured kind of a CYA, whether or not we're warranting our work, how we go about in, ensuing, ensuring excuse me, warranties, and then whether or not you're covering contracts with your customer and how you're protecting yourself and making sure you get paid and not taken advantage of i think we all have (laughs) different issues often with protecting ourselves and when we let our guard down and everything never never then we have instant we start with warranty and then we'll go maybe one topic at a time and just we might actually be able to cover something if we just take it one step at a time let's do that yeah. <laughs> so warranty. I know you offer warranty on your stuff because you well go ahead and kind of explain how you handle that part. So I have just a basic when I ordered my business cards through Vistaprint, whatever. It, we're not sponsored, but you know everyone orders their cards through Vistaprint. So I just had um, a business card sized warranty printed out. It pretty much says on there, we want you to be happy with your product. If anything happens to it, like basically manufacturer defect. Let me know and I'll take care of it because I can't afford to go and fix their errors of mishandling the furniture for free. But I mean, it's wood. It's going to, it has the potential to warp. It has the potential twist bow, all that stuff, depending on the climate and everything in their house. So I want to make sure all that stuff's taken care of. Not saying I won't fix issues that they caused because if they scratch the furniture, I'd rather be the one to fix it so it looks good over time, but that's not necessarily warrantied like you're going to have to pay for the fix. So it's like any basically company warranty where it's free against manufacturer defects. Right. And I just feel like having the card printed up and being able to pass that off to a customer makes it seem like a little bit more legitimate than if I just tell them in passing, oh yeah, if anything happens, give me a call. That way, not that keep this for your records or else your warranty is, you know, canceled out and you can't reach out to me. Like they can throw it away if they want. I just feel like taking small steps like that as a small business makes you look more reputable and it gives me a better chance of them telling their friends that they had a good experience using us and they will refer us. Which I kind of handle it the same way you do. So it's at least with the products I make, it's not only free against manufacturer defects, right? But I'm not delivering it. So it adds that additional unknown of what's going to happen in shipping. Like, are they going to try to throw a Hail Mary? How the unknown happens for you. (laughs) I think something doesn't like me in the system because I I think they scan my packages and then they're like, break that one. Like, (laughs) but as far as doing this stuff, I'll, I'll mail a package. If it gets broken in shipping, I'll talk to the customer. Some have been like, don't worry about it. I'll just glue the piece back on. A piece just popped off from whatever they did. I'm like, okay, like if you change your mind, let me know. None of them have, which is good. Then I'll have some where they break the whole thing 
And that's where it gets tricky, right? So me as the person that sold it, I'm going to make it right regardless, which means I'll replace it and send them a new one. And the tricky part of this is, so I insure everything I ship. And we'll get into that topic later about insuring shipments and stuff. But it comes with a burden of proof sometimes, depending on the shipper you use. So you have to take pictures of it, the damage, the packaging, whatever. And if you use certain shippers, they require coming to inspect it and all this other stuff, which is absurd. And you don't always get the insurance claim paid out, which then you're out the money from whatever you lost in the first one. And you have to remake it and you have to reship it. So I'm going to do it because I feel that it's not the customer's fault that shipping broke it. I try to do everything I can against like introducing a way they could break it. But it's it's almost impossible to package something beyond the point of breaking unless you use like spray foam or something in your packaging which is going to be expensive to do long term and it's going to make a huge mess for your customer to open but i mean i guess it's an option but it's one of those things where i will warranty anything i make against an issue so if like alignment of pieces is off and they don't like it i'll redo it if they have an issue with the finish or something i'll redo it or whatever it just depends I have a question. So how do you find out like when a customer, they receive the package and it's dented or a piece broke off or whatever? Is that you just following up? Hey, did it show up? Or are they messaging you? Hey, it showed up and this happened, but it's really no big deal. Usually they send me a picture. They said, hey, just to let you know, the sign came in today and it looked like this. And then there's a picture of it broken. It's kind of funny, though, because they say it doesn't bother them, but it bothered them enough to say, I got it and it's messed up, but I don't want so to do anything about it. So I think it's a trigger to see what I will do. Right. Like, that's what, what I'm saying. Like, what will they offer that, me to yeah. fix it? Because that's what I, I kind of feel. How, that's how it seems, at least. It bothers me enough to send it. It's not if it didn't So I've only me, had one that it truly seemed like it didn't bother them. And they were just making me aware. And they said, you know, I don't know if it was the packaging or what it might be. But I wanted to give you a heads up in case you tried something new in the packaging, which I had at the time. And I was like, well, thank you for letting me know. Like, what do you want me to do? And they're like, don't worry about it. Like, I'll just glue the pieces back on. I was like, well, let me go ahead and file the claim. This was the FedEx one. I was like, let me file the claim. And then mm-hmm. FedEx came, picked up the package, inspected it, denied the claim, and then sent the sign back to me. And it was broken worse than it was before. So now I have to remake it anyway. But that's part of why I'm starting to lean towards if I'm making a sign, it is getting shipped through USPS. Other small things, I'm going to go with whoever's the cheapest because it's those are like keychains aren't hot gonna be something that is a high break rate but signs usps seems to be fairly reliable in paying out their claims and they don't require coming to like inspect the package and pick it up and all that crap so i think i'm just gonna switch that way and primarily use usps for signs but you're right like there's only so much you can do your warranty should only cover so much like you can't you can't make your warranty in like indefinite you can't be like free from defects forever because the things that are actual defects will show up in the first week or two for my stuff if they're saying it's a defect 10 years from now that's not a defect like that's age like it's stuff wears out over time like furniture is gonna wear out over time and you're gonna have to have it refinished or redone or whatever That's how I feel about running a business is that you have to really tighten everything up, close every loop, and make sure that someone can't find a loophole to take advantage of. So it kind of makes you feel like you're being a dick because you have to protect yourself to a point where people can't take advantage of you. Exactly. It's so hard, too, because you have to protect yourself, but you want to also seem easygoing and approachable so they want to do business with you, but you really have to do so much to not get. So we're in agreement on this. So, Steven, I know you don't really sell a whole lot of stuff right now anyway. Yeah, everything I've basically done up to this point has been pretty well, like, person, like, just somebody approached me, they wanted me to make something for them, I made it for them, or I restored a piece of furniture or something like that. And there hasn't ever been any issues. You know, I can see flaws, I can see little things, but no one's ever complained, no one's ever had any, you know, any issues. The charcuterie boards that I sell, that I sell through a store, 
no one's ever come back and you know said anything about them i have a feeling a lot of stuff like a lot of that sort of stuff is not necessarily used that heavily so it's not going to see as much damage as much wear and tear but you know i and i told the store i said if anybody ever comes back in and says hey the charcuterie boards it's it's getting dry or something's wrong with it i'm i was like, going to ask about you know, that i mean honestly it's not that hard for me to to sand it out or or, or or scrape it back down and put new finish on it. That's not too terribly, you know, too too big of an expense for me. Whenever I sold that lot of of boards to the restaurant, I actually included walrus oil. I, I gave them a bottle because I asked them, I said, do you want me to like in a year because you're going to be using these, th-, you know, they're going to use them far more heavily than the average consumer, than the average person that owns a home. I was like, do you want me to sand them and refinish them? They're like, no, we can actually do the sanding part. We just you know, couldn't go through the process of, of, of building them. So I said, well, what do you use for, what do you use for refinishing stuff now? And they said, most of the time we just use, you know, butcher block oil or something like that. I'm like, here, well, this is what I put on all my boards. This is what I put on the boards that I sold you. Just take a bottle of it. I said, here, have a whole bottle. That whole bottle should get you, as far as refinishing this goes, you should probably be able to refinish almost every single one of them with just the one bottle. And it's been over a year, and I haven't heard anything back from them. So I'm assuming that they've already refinished them by now. I would expect that after a year of use, they probably do need to be refinished. But they haven't they haven't got in contact with me, so I'm assuming everything's okay. I still see pictures whenever they post, you know, promotional pictures, stuff like that, with my boards in them, and the boards still look great. I think the other thing is because they, you know, they're seeing so many meats and cheeses and things like that. They're 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 actually getting darker, being exposed to foods. So. They actually look like they're in pretty good shape. Uh, I think walrus oil actually makes like a one or two ounce little mm-hmm. bottle, like a sample size bottle. So I know Tracy, when she sells a cutting board, includes that. So that way a customer can re-oil their cutting board and she doesn't have to worry about like them complaining that it's dry. Well, coming back to her that's dry, I feel like complaining yeah. such a I like, remember talking to Dave about but... that once. I don't remember if the two ounce bottle was like a special way you had to buy it or you had to buy a certain quantity. I can't remember. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure he only has them on his website and not through Amazon. That might be what it was. I remember talking to him about I it in the past. I think that's a pretty solid idea. I don't really produce enough cutting boards to where yeah. I need to worry about that. But, I mean, obviously with holiday seasons and stuff like that, I think that's a good idea. Like, I'll probably, my brother doesn't listen to this, so I will be gifting him one for his birthday and I'll probably do that. Send him a bottle of oil, too, so he can refinish it. Just remember to send him a calendar reminder to redo the oil on the board. He is so, he literally is so unhandy. I can guarantee he'll probably bring it back with him for a visit so I could do it for him. Because he'd be like, I don't want to mess it up. Doesn't he only live like two hours away? Yeah. Well, he gave you a CNC machine, so. Exactly. See, everyone who talks all this stuff about me having a CNC and money and blah, blah, blah. It was a gift for my brother and I have never lied about that. I've always been up front. But so for all you listeners... It was a gift for all for all the haters out there. Yes, yeah, that's cool. I still get hate for my machines. This could you always get hate? Your laser that this could definitely take us off topic if we're going to talk about some haters. No, we're going to we're going to stop right there. All right, so (laughs) anyway, on to the next one. (laughs) Customer agreements and contracts. You have this as part of your workflow. So when I send off an estimate, I have bad habits. I'm not going to lie. So when I have small orders that are like. 100 200 bucks whatever it's just like oh this is how much you owe me just send it over and i'm not as worried about having a customer like have a contract or an actual invoice or anything like that and i need to have better practices better business practices and i know that however when i have larger builds and bigger ticket items i do send over an invoice not that it's an itemized breakdown it says basically what i'm building for them um, the amount that I'm charging them and then the tax, so total amount due. And then on the bottom of the invoice, I break it down to, um, I ask for 10% down to have them hold their pay- place in the queue because I may not necessarily be starting that immediately. I may send this invoice over, but six weeks from now, I'm going to start it. So 10% upfront to hold their place. So I will start it in six weeks and then 40% for depending on the item, like if this is an item I could resell. 40%. So what's is the 10% non-refundable? Non-refundable. And then What about the 40? The 40 is for building materials. So 40% is due for me to start their build. 
So if they don't pay me the 40%, then I'm not going to start their build. They get dropped to the bottom of the queue and I still have their 10%. So if they decide to flake on me, I have money from them and the time spent on getting the invoice together and everything, but I'm not going okay. to wait forever for them. I mean, I get it. That clarifies my question. Yeah, I, stuff comes up. You may not be able to afford that piece of furniture when that time comes up, but I have to protect myself as a business owner and having a family and making sure we all get to eat. And yeah. then unless it's, I'm not going to be able to resell it and they want some, like that bookshelf that I'm making, the, it's has their last name cnc'd in it i can't resell that i need a hundred percent up front if you want this made yeah. so it kind of like that's where i'm a little bit different with how i charge things but not totally different but you actually have it written down on paper it's, yeah when i send over the invoice and with disclaimers and whatnot yeah i know i'm all fancy with those asterisks and everything like that so like asterisk next to the total and this is what this means and then the breakdown so as an example what are what disclaimers do you give uh, as part of your in there, process? It's that the 10% is non-refundable. It's holding your place and that the 40% is due. And then I give a rust, rough estimate of the day that they're looking like that. I'm looking to start their build and that by paying the 10%, they're agreeing to the fact that it's holding their place. There's and that they agree to pay the 40%. I could read you the because I feel like I'm missing something. I don't technically have customer agreements, and Steven doesn't because you don't really focus on the selling aspect. Well, it's not necessarily I don't have customer agreements necessarily. I mean, like, I'm just, it's not just not hard and fast. Yeah, exactly. Because mine are, you know, mine are more one offs. Mm -hmm. Martina's got it so streamlined now that she knows, you know, she. Don't right, give me that much credit. Don't give me that much credit. <laughs> You do this. You do this as your. You do this as your job. Job. So you've at least yeah. got it more streamlined than I do. It's just I have everything kind of clear cut in an email, just saying, all right, this is what the prospective cost will be. This is my prospective. You know, my estimated time. I need it. I need at least X amount for for a deposit to basically be able to buy materials, things like that. And it's not always fifty percent. Some you know, if it's a if it's something that's like three hundred dollars, then maybe the deposit's a hundred bucks. If it's the whenever I was looking at refinishing and building an entire cabinet, I told her the deposit was going to be a thousand because I need a thousand dollars just in friggin' materials. Mm -hmm. So I and yeah. I wasn't gonna you know I maybe could have done eight hundred and then took a little out of pocket to to cover the other stuff. But you know when you buy cabinet ply when you buy oak stuff like that you know once you're in you're in you can't you can't go they don't go back and restock that mess. Yeah, they don't take they don't take refunds on plywood and oak yeah. and stuff like that. See, I got tired of so thinking yeah. it was okay to take money out of my pocket because I didn't want to have the hard conversation of asking for money up front. Like, and then because yeah. then you have you basically change your lifestyle off of that because you're now taking money out of your you know personal bank account to be more accommodating to someone else, and that's like no way to run a business. Here's my thing. Deposits are non-refundable. Custom items are non-refundable and all sales are final. Items are warranted should there be any defect. By paying the deposit, you're agreeing to the listed terms. So it's not like some super defined this. I mean, will it hold up in court? I have no idea. Has anyone had any issue with it yet? No, but it's enough for them, like for me to feel a little bit more protected should anything happen. So I'm in between both of you because I have it not stated, but I have all of that stuff kind of built in. So I do it based on the pricing, right? Because I don't charge a deposit. I 99% of the time, it's the full amount. Well, yeah, your stuff's 100% customized. You can't, exactly. you can't resell a Craig Jig scientist or the Craig yeah. brand sign to somebody. Like that has to once go to Once I Craig. cut it, it's done. Mm -hmm. Like once it's been cut, I can't do anything with the material anymore. So that's why I charge 100% up front. That's very rare that I do a deposit of like 50%. And it's only with certain people that I have worked with before, have paid on time, I've trusted, and come back as a repeat this customer. This 10% deposit is holding their place for like, I'm lining up builds for August and after. So that percent 10% yeah. is going towards that. When you set up your queue, are you just taking orders and starting them as they come? Or are you telling them, I can't start it until this date? So it depends. The I'll give them a kind of a time frame up front. I'll be like, yeah, your sign will take two to three weeks. The next person, it might be three to four weeks. Got it, got it. It kind of depends. but So you just give them like a duration some, of time, not like this is when you 
we'll yeah. see it started. Okay. I don't give them a start date because it's so variable, right? Because between having kids and helping them with schoolwork, I might not get to anything for three days, but then I might be able to get a ton of stuff done in the next two days. And that's why I don't really give them a start date. I just give them a duration. Got it. And then I have some that, it, as long as they pay up front, right? So I'll usually have the design done. There have been times when I will charge a deposit to do the design because it's a lot of work. Some, if the sign is fairly simple, I'll go ahead and do the design. It might take like 10 minutes. And sometimes they don't order a sign and I'm out that 10 minutes, which is unfortunate. But if it involves a lot of work, I make them pay up front before I do that kind of stuff. But... I've also gotten better at my quoting process. So if you if I see a design and I know the file and they send me the file type, in about five minutes I can figure out about how long it's gonna take to do the work, which helps. And then from a making standpoint, I can go out and cut five today if I wanted to. It's the painting and the sanding and all that stuff that takes the time, which is where I get backed up, right? Mm-hmm. Which you both know I'm working on solutions to that. But There are things you can do with the contract side. Like, I just don't have it written down. I think I need to, like you said, have that disclaimer at the bottom. But I haven't, until recently, I haven't really needed to do that. But the problem is I have new orders that will come in, which, I mean, not right now. Right now it's kind of slow. But sometimes I'll have three or four orders pending that I'm working on, and then one that I shipped out will end up having an issue and I have to redo it. So then I got to figure out how to work that one back in. And usually I tell the person, whoever had the sign that got broken, I say, look, I have to fit it in to what I'm doing. It might take a little bit longer this time because I have to mix it in with stuff I've already committed to. So, and most of them have been understanding Steven, of that. Do you ever do tell the, your clients when something's going to be done or are you just mm. like, I'll get a hold of you when it's all ready? Pretty much. I mean, normally I, I have an idea, a pretty good idea of how long things are going to take at this point. So I'll tell them it's like between two and, you know, it's like two and four weeks or two and three weeks or something like that. You know, if it's if it's something quick I can knock out in a week, then I'll tell them, okay, it'll probably be ready by the end of next week. Just basically what that does is gives me time to plan ahead so where I can go and drop it off. As opposed to having to try to work out meeting them somewhere or something like that, I can just go and I can just drop it off. It seems like most of the time evenings or, you know, evenings, of course, are better. Whenever I did the, when I did the restaurant, they were closed a couple, you know, they were closed two nights out of the week. So I had to go in on specific days and I also had to go on days whenever the manager was there because he wasn't there all the time in the evenings. I have mixed feelings on it. I feel like it's nice because it holds me more accountable to working instead of getting distracted and finding other things to do. But then at the same time, I feel like a lot of my clients are like, you said it'd be ready by this day. And I'm not seeing, well, Instagram is being a huge pain in my butt right now because everyone's following along. So then like, if they don't see me working on their specific project, it's like, are you really mm-hmm. going to have it done by this time? So it holds me more accountable. But at the same time, I think it, I think it makes the client expect that that's a firm, hard completion date. And there's no room for error on my end when stuff happens sometimes and I can't get it done. So I try to be upfront and forward with them that, you know, it's going to be late, but I feel like a dream crusher when I have to tell them they're going to have to wait more. Yeah. And that's happened to me on one or two things purely because I had issues with, with some stuff shipping. Like I needed, I needed to wait on uh finish to ship and it was like, Oh, well it's going to ship it. Yeah. It may ship out like tomorrow, but for some reason, it's going to take like four days to get here, and it's just coming from New England. It's like, why? Why in the heck are you going to take so long? So you know, sometimes, sometimes you just got to tell them up front that all right, it's going to be between you know X and Y. I don't ever give anyone a firm date on anything because you never know. You never know. All right, it's like okay, I'm going to plan out Tuesday night is the night I'm going to go out in the shop and I'm going to do this, this, and this to get this project done by Friday because I told them it was going to be done by. Friday. Not it was going to be done by the end of the week, you know, or it's going to be done by the week of X. All right, Tuesday night, you come home, it's like, oh crap, the dog's sick. I got to take the dog to the emergency vet. Okay, now it's now I'm out four or five hours, not to mention money to take the dog to the emergency vet, which has happened. I mean, I've gotten screwed over on that a couple times with different things. (laughs) Yeah, that's very Close to home. 
All right, that was specific because it did happen one time. I had to take the dog to the emergency vet. And he still hasn't So I lost an entire night because of that. A night that I had specifically planned to be the night I was going to do this thing. And it screwed me up royally. So, I I mean, I know it's a little, I know it's going to be a little less common for you, Martina, because your kids are older. You don't have to worry about them. You know, they're not going to, they're not going to fall off their bike and, you know, hurt their arm. No, but they won't feed themselves if I don't cook for them. (laughs) (laughs) But they're also, they're also two, two grown people that's like, okay, well, sorry, I didn't make dinner tonight, but guess what? You're also adults. You have jobs. Go get yourself something. That's the conversation quite often. They're just, they're super cheap. What can I say? Like, they're lazy. They're, they're, they're two lazy. boys and they're cheap. We laugh so hard because it's like, oh, you can, you have cars. Like, they order Uber Eats, these goofballs. I'm like, you both drive. Like, why are you spending the $5 if they finally br- decide to break down and spend the money on food? Oh, man, you're just like me. It's like, just go driving. Again. Yeah, save the $5. Other, But half the time, it's like, oh, I had cereal for dinner because it was here. I'm like, you got you guys are ridiculous. So Liz did that crap all the time. She would eat cereal for this dinner. Is, this is a whole different conversation, though. I do give myself extra time to screw up and have. It's not like I. Yeah. my hard deadline is also allowing me several days of screw up and like a day off here or there in case I have to, you know appointments or whatever. Well, and if I'm going to be late on something, I'll message them and say, hey, look, I just wanted to let you know this occurred. And usually it's because like the paint like had some weird issue and I had to redo that section or something like that, which was unforeseen. And I'll message them and say, hey, look, I just want to make sure you get the best product that I can produce. As long as you're OK with it, I'm going to take an extra week and redo this section. I promise you'll be happier down the line. And nobody's ever had a problem with that. It's rare that somebody's like, I need it right now. As I start building bigger, larger items and have, I guess, a more corporate clientele. So they have, Mm -hmm. I'm finding that they're not really used to being told no, though. That they're, that is true. So that's a different experience for me because they think that they're used to everything happening when they order it, when they request it, when they said it needs to be done. So that's definitely a different style that I have to kind of adapt myself to. And with some clientele similar to that, the corporate type, they also think that throwing more money at it can solve the problem, which doesn't always yes. happen. <laughs> that was an interesting one for me was, can I pay you more to move me to the top of the list? And I've had that for the past couple of my bigger builds. And I mean, obviously I want to say yes, but I still have to be kind of an honorable human and not operate my business like that and take the next spot to the highest bidder. I mean, that'd be great. Yeah, you can't be shady. That would be great. Like, my bank account would love that, but I don't want to be that type of person. That's kind of shady operation. Right. To a point. I agree I with mean, you. I mean, I even did it to my brother-in-law wants, well, his wife wants, like, a dining table and a coffee table and everything. And I moved her down on the list because two people messaged me the day before they did. I'm like, I don't care that's your family. Like, I'm still operating a business. I'm not giving you a deal. And this is where I can start your stuff because you missed out by one day. That brings me back to that meme that strangers are willing to invest in your business, but your own family isn't. They didn't ask for a deal, actually. But I that was me just giving them the disclaimer because I didn't want to have that awkward conversation when I did come up with the price for them. That's good. Well, we already covered the next one, which was getting a deposit or the full amount up front. We kind of covered that with the whole customer agreements contract yeah. type and of stuff. And then actually to sort of circle back to contracts and the 100% deposit, at least for you, Trevor, because yours is very a very specific, I'm going to say a lean, leaning a little bit more towards art as opposed to, Ooh, you know, as opposed so to fancy. a... fancy. I'm an artist. Okay, well, for, <laughs> for this, for this analogy... He was mean earlier. <laughs> yeah <laughs> nope me's back no for this particular analogy i think that you should almost take the approach like almost do a contract almost like a tattoo artist does because a tattoo artist they set aside time to do a tattoo it's a very specific thing even if all even if all they do is you sit down on the chair and you never actually get the tattoo you've wasted their time you still owe them money so, I mean, anytime you anytime you take the 
the time to draw anything out to design anything i think i think you need to have that clearly spelled out in a contract that whoever you've done this design for needs that they need to they need to at least pay you for the design if you never make a sign for them okay that's great all right they don't owe you anything for that but for the design portion of it they they owe you for your time tattoo artists would never see anybody without a deposit they'll never start drawing anything without a deposit getting a deposit for artwork is or doing design is semi-difficult because a lot of people want to see what it would look like before they agreed to do it. And sometimes it only takes five minutes. So it sometimes I'm okay with it, but there are ones where it'll take an hour. And I know that kind of up front now I'm at that point where I've kind of figured that out. So now I tell them your sign will be this, but I'm not going to start any of the design until you actually start do the payment and we go with it because it's going to take too much time. But there are potentially ones where I'll have to be, you know, I'll collect some deposit for the design up front and then tell them if you move forward with a sign order, it gets rolled in to the sign price. It's not like a design fee on top of the sign price. I kind of roll it together. That's what I started doing with, so for me to do an in-home consultation, so go out, measure, talk about finishes, whatever. I now have my website set up to where they have to book an appointment and they have to pay like a appointment fee. So for me to go out there, I can now get paid because that's, I was running into that too, where I was taking the time to go measure, do all this work. And then when I sent over the invoice, they didn't like the price. And so I did that work for nothing of getting a bid together. So now it's another CYA thing of me at least making a little bit of money for my time and wasted time. But I mean, if it go, if it, if they do decide to move through, then it just gets wrapped up into their overall cost of the project anyways. So that's where this all stems from for me too. It's because I've been bitten in the well, past. I think that's where all this stems from. Like you said, yeah. you don't have a contract yet. Well, I now have that disclaimer in there because a lot of the times I didn't think that someone was going to pay for my work when it came time for them to pay for my work. So like instead of losing out on money, even a lot of people seeing that they owe 10% before I'm even willing to start their project don't like that. It's one of those first steps of filtering bad potential clients. Well, I think of my stuff because it's one-off custom stuff is if you were to buy this from a company, they would charge you the full amount up front. They would not do any work for free. So exactly. that's kind of my mindset if is they, why I don't yeah. do yeah. deposits really. I make them pay the full thing up front because A, mm -hmm. it locks them in. B, I, at this point, I have the proven track record that I will deliver what I said I'm going to deliver. I think for your business, it makes sense. Yeah. For mine, it's impossible. Uh, yeah, I agree. So because we're in different market segments it makes sense that we have to operate slightly differently. And we realized that and we kind of adapted to whatever we're doing. But we've also both been bitten by customers that you, you don't think something's going to happen and then you have a customer that makes all of that stuff happen. So you have right. to cover yourself and you have to figure out what works for you. There's not a cookie cutter solution by any means. If you do custom furniture, I'd say it's more like what you do. If you sell on Etsy you're getting paid up front because it's Etsy. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, you might not even have that. Sometimes they have that stuff sitting, waiting to be sold. So they've already kind of spent their, like spent their time on it, but sometimes they need to produce that item. So yes, get paid up front yeah. for it. Correct. Which is nice about Etsy because it has like the option of it's a ready-made item. It'll ship in two to three days or it's made to order and it's custom. So that's kind of nice, but I've kind of neglected my Etsy, but I think I'm going to get back to it to kick off more of the e-commerce side and build my website as my Etsy can take orders. So I'm not, I'm not in limbo where I don't have any way for people to order stuff. It's kind of like a stepping stone. I'm paying higher fees because Etsy charges the listing fee and the commission fee for sales and all that other crap. So you do that as a stepping stone and build the store. And I think it all depends on your stuff that you make. If you make things you can sell and ship, use e-commerce and that kind of forces people to pay up front and yeah you can put your disclaimers in there you can put your shipping policy your return policy whatever if you're doing custom furniture i'd say 100 percent ask if i don't have the answers i do know stuff, a lot so. of makers that do a lot more to protect themselves than i do so i reach out to them and ask them what they're doing to protect and then slowly start adapting my version of what they're doing but they've also like i've yeah. only been doing this for 
as a full-time gig for like a year, year and a half now, maybe a little over a year and a half. So I'm still learning every day, but I think, and they've been doing it longer, I, but I think that's like how it will be and continue to be where I have more bad experiences and I learn from that bad experience. And then I change my business practices to CYA and not let that happen again. The one unknown that I have still, which I think you probably have as an unknown still, is if something were to happen to somebody because of something you made and how you cover yourself in oh, that event, yeah. which I is riskier for you. Yeah. So that's one where you can deliver a bookshelf, but you would need to have a contract that says, okay, if this person installs it, they waive all liability for you like it's not your fault if they install it right. incorrectly or if you installed it how you cover yourself and i don't have I the answer that's to that something that's that a lawyer I really question need to start aggressively looking into because this is the stuff you know the stuff that keeps you up at night type things like i make nursery yeah. signs and then i'm in my head coming from the ems background of like literally worst case scenario every day seeing the worst stuff so I make nursery signs and then they're like, oh, I'm going to hang it over the crib. And in my head, I'm like, what happens if this sign falls on the baby? I know that's freaking terrible and it's a horrible thought, but like, that's the stuff you have to think about when you're making this. And you're, you're but you know what I mean? That like, that's stuff. obviously a worst case scenario, but could it happen? Yes. Will it happen? Probably not. Do I need to protect myself from that hap happening? Absolutely. How do I go about protecting myself from that happening? And even my stuff because they're signs and you hang yeah. them mm -hmm. i need to so look if anyone listening has some too. tips email us message us if anybody's yeah. a lawyer and actually knows <laughs> that would be amazing if someone listens who was a lawyer and they could start giving us i mean we can work out some little trade to get some free advice but like that's would definitely be a good contact to have yeah but the thing is, it's like when you start going down that road of making so many caveats, so many stipulations, making your contracts 30 pages to cover every possible scenario, to do as much CY as you can. You know, at that point, it's like, man, this feels like a corporation. This feels like this feels like the, the receipt you get with Walgreens. Like anytime you go shopping at Walgreens or CVS, you get, you know, you buy two items and you get four and a half feet of receipt. <laughs> It's true, though. I mean, why they give you true. so much receipt? That's ridiculous. But, you know, it's you have to, I think, at some point, step back as a maker and think, okay, when you give something to someone, you are you're doing it in the best intention, hoping that they aren't going to they're not going to use it in some way to harm themselves or harm others. But you mm -hmm. can't be held responsible for what it is that they do. So that's one thing that and. This you're is kind you're, of off topic you're making but... okay so trevor you're making something that's a display item it's just mm -hmm. a display if they hang it improperly it's on them that's why i don't include it, all right the whole hardware. thing if they if if the whole thing falls apart that's on you but if they hang it improperly it falls off the wall into the crib i don't know why in the world you'd put a giant sign right over top of a it's crib not that but big. people just aren't always bright putting that out there um <laughs> the science <laughs> Like a giant sign. Well, so, I mean, they're like, th they're as they're big, as, big as, as a child, child and, like, and acrylic hurts if it's going to, if it hits you, yeah. you know, you can't be held responsible for things like that. That's things that, you know, things like that I worry about. It's like, okay, what if, what if somebody uses my charcuterie board and they don't know how to handle meat or cheese properly and they make themselves sick and then they well, blame that's... me because the boards, you know, well, I can't, if you don't know how to wash fruits and vegetables, <laughs> if you don't know how to tr cut yeah. meat properly... I can't do anything about that. Mine is just an implement. I'm my my board is just an implement for serving and display. It's not a. It's not yeah. you know. So it's not a substitute for this is the heart good common the decency. hard part because you would think that common sense would win in the long run. It's However, entirely uncommon. No one. I mean, people are not always the nicest humans. There's literally someone in Fresno that he is a wheelchair bound human being. And he is now going to and all the small businesses in town and finding any issue with them that makes them at the facility not wheelchair -ADA compliant, compliant, not ADA compliant. And he's suing small business after small business. And now he's done it so many times that the state is suing his attorney because they've done so many claims and this guy has made so much money because they're being complete dirtbags. I get it. That sucks. You're disabled, whatever. But like you're literally being a terrible human being by now putting so many small businesses either out of business or suing them and making them lose profits because you're now using this as your source of income. Yeah. 
you can't protect against you can't everything, protect against but everything. you have to also think worst case scenario to start gearing your your thought process to CYA. But putting it out there, don't don't let this you. overwhelm you, because <laughs> there's a lot. I would I would say you know take it one step at a time and score business resources. Have lawyers that volunteer that can answer some of these well, questions right. but so that's, that's like that's we're also saying so start. you know someone listening maybe a month ago like i'm gonna start building stuff and selling it so this mm-hmm. stuff might not apply to you just yet but you've been doing this right. for several years i've been doing it as a full-time yeah. gig for a little bit now steven does it as a side hustle like i think taking all of our knowledge and our resources and our mistakes and lining up your one month of experience and not making the same mistakes we did is a different thing. You don't have to implement all of it, but just like start yeah. thinking about stuff like that. Well, we're just trying to speed up other people's ramp up periods. We're trying to help them skip the crap we went through. But the last thing that we had on here that I wanted to bring up was ensuring your shipments. And we all know why. I think this I'm is truly just just Trevor just going to go on for about five or ten minutes. Like I don't think you and I need to say anything, Martine. I'm pretty sure this is just a straight Trevor issue. <laughs> well, I will, I'm the only one that ships. <laughs> out of the three of us. But, but I will put actually, out there. No, you, you, no, you're Steve. not. I did actually have to ship some stuff. How often, though? Very rarely. But I know for sure I hate USPS. They lost one box for a month it was somewhere between south carolina and missouri for a month and it finally showed up when it comes to shipments i'm definitely not the only maker because lizzie had a bunch of problems the same time i did because i would post in my stories that something broke and then she'd post in her stories that something broke and martina i think you watched both of ours so you were kind of seeing that both of us were having the same issue So it wasn't just me. It was just me among us three. But it was one of those things where you can insure it all you want. In the beginning, I didn't insure things and it really kind of screwed me. Now I insure everything and I still get screwed part of the time because certain shipping companies treat you as guilty until proven innocent instead of innocent until proven guilty. So they some shipping companies assume that it's your fault it broke until they can prove otherwise instead of saying it's our fault until they can prove that you mispackaged it if that makes sense i've had shipping companies say nope you mispackaged it tell me why because i can't improve it if you don't explain to me why you think i packaged it incorrectly package it better yeah there was a foothold (laughs) through the box Explain to me how that was a mispackaging on my standpoint. But certain companies will do everything they can not to have to pay out the claim. So you have to be careful and ensure it for the value that it is. You have to have an invoice stating the value. No matter who you ship with, if something breaks, you have to have an invoice. They'll ask for it. You'll have to provide pictures if it's broken of not only the packaging it came in, but also the pictures of the broken sign. And if there's a company you use that uses a third-party insurance so if you ship through like usps or ups or fedex they have their own insurance department if you ship through some of these online places like one of the ones i use they use a third-party insurance company and that third-party insurance company wants the same burden of proof like they want the pictures of what it looks like they want the amount that it was worth but then another thing is they want an estimate on how much it would cost to repair it like you can't repair can't this repair it's yeah. not something you bought at walmart it's a one-off exactly it's like all right what's the art. uh what's the estimated repair cost for this da vinci that we uh that we ripped in half is is there a is there like a general cost for a da vinci repair or see that's what that's i'm glad why you're comparing me to see, da vinci that's why your it makes you feel art. better it's one-offs that's so fancy. It's yeah, they... Well, it's it's just like it's you know it's it's a very stupid question. Well, but this I, is the first time I've had it. But well, the thing is, you know, the companies are doing the exact same thing we're talking about. They are doing a CYA because probably when the company first started, they got people that ship thousand dollar crystal you know crystal vase in oh, uh, in like a a vase. Fancy. Yes, fancy. They just like threw it in a box, and then of course it got destroyed. And they're like, "Well, now you owe me a thousand dollars for a box." Do you really pronounce it vase, or are we just doing it because we're talking about being fancy right now? It's because I'm always oh fancy. God. Duh. Okay. Dang, I fancy. 
We should insert the I'm so fancy music. Anyway, the part with this is, yes, I agree. You need to be able to prove that you packaged it well. But a lot of companies go about the whole you're guilty until they can prove otherwise is totally wrong. They should assume that you packaged it correctly until they can prove otherwise that you didn't. And that's not how they operate. And that's what frustrates me. But USPS so far is one of the ones that they kind of operate on the you're innocent until proven guilty. Like until they can prove that you packaged it poorly, they will usually pay out the claim. They don't come inspect it. They don't come pick it up and go through it little by little. FedEx and UPS will come to your house, pick it up. They will inspect the packaging. And it depends on what your customer gives them. So if your customer threw out all the packaging when they got the sign in the first place, they're not going to approve the claim because they can't prove that the packaging was on the package to begin with, which is why my last one got denied. So it's not only a burden of proof on you, you then have to put that burden on your customer and they don't like that. They do not enjoy that. And they will flat out be like, you're going to replace it anyway. I'm not going to deal with this. And then you're out that money because they don't want to give you the proof that that you need. So that's where I get into this issue of like, I'm going to do what's right by the customer regardless. But if you can't give me the proof, there's things I could do. I could say, I will make you a new one. But before I do that, you need to give me this information so that I can file a claim, which is what I need to start doing. And I didn't do that before. Sometimes it helps just talking it out too. And then you like can find your solution as you're, talking out your problem you're like oh why haven't i done it that way and sometimes it was like i really wanted to make my customer happy and it i didn't know that the i guess the result would be what it was because in the past i'd really only shipped with usps so whenever they broke something for the most part they paid the claim i hadn't really dealt with the other ones but then i started dealing with the other ones and they started breaking things and now i'm finding out that i'm not going to do all these lessons you know, are lesson hard learned. learned lessons but if people have or questions advice. about things that we've talked about yeah or advice Ooh, it'd be helpful we're about so, an hour in yeah words words of wisdom about being true to your craft and being true to yourself as a maker from pappy van winkle we all we we make fine bourbon at a profit if we can, at a loss if we must, but always fine bourbon. What? So the thing is, you always you don't you've never heard this before. No, no. You've never okay. Basically, it's like all right, we're always going to be true to who we are. We're always going to be true to making whatever it is that we make at the best way we can make it. If we if we make a profit, great. If we make it at a loss, not so great. But we still make everything. At the you know to the best of, of our no. Abilities. If I start making everything at a loss, I'm I just quit. Like <laughs> I'm just done. If I'm well, not profitable anymore, like I'm not going to uh, stay in this. And no. Well, you, true, I'm with Martina on that. Craft, one. True to your craft. Always. I mean, I'll still make craft. things. I'll just quit. Then selling my it. house would be finished, and I wouldn't have a bunch of eighty percent projects anymore. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what really happens when you own a business is your personal stuff comes last, which means never. Mm-hmm. By the way, do you still have your mirror ceiling? Yes. I, I, I have to ask. Yes. And my 1979 house highlight. Nice. That was apparently a big selling feature. That was So highlight? the builder of this home, that was his trademark feature, was those that glass mirrored entryway gilded mirror i think it just speaks to the recreational activity of the time period yeah that's what (laughs) i was thinking but if people have questions or advice for us reach out and we'll try to help each other follow us on instagram maker vision podcast we have a facebook group maker vision tribe tribe um and then you're the one who started and you couldn't even remember the name of it come on now. and then now i just get alerts so i don't have to pay attention to the name and then make revision podcast at gmail.com and oh swag packs and, and t-shirts still yes. available on makerevision.com as well if you guys are interested makerevisionpodcast.com did i, I think i said that i think you said make I think I said Maker Vision Podcast, but we can, the first we can definitely play back this recording and find out who was right. Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah, because I don't know how to do it. I'm going to vote Trevor's right this time. Normally, Martina's always right, but I'm pretty sure That's what I try to tell everyone. No one believes me. But anyways, all right. Mm. Until next. We'll just add. On that note. Until next week. (laughs) See ya. Peace. Thank you for listening to today's show. As a continued listener, we greatly appreciate your feedback, your input, and just downloading the episode every week. If you're a new listener, thank you for hopping on, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And we also hope that you continue to join along with us every week as we'll put out new podcasts covering all sorts of Maker topics. Also, be sure to check out MakerVisionPodcast.com where we'll post valuable resources, tips, tricks, and Maker swag, including stickers because, you know, makers love stickers. And we'll do this to help your Maker Vision become a Maker Reality. If you have any questions, suggestions, or any general input about this particular episode or previous episodes, you can reach out to our podcast email at makervisionpodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach us on our Instagram, and that's makervisionpodcast. Even better, you can reach out to us directly through my personal Instagram, that is Old South Woodcraft, Trevor's personal Instagram, Maker Experiment, and the personal Instagram of our newest co-host, Martina, at Naughty by Nature Designs. She also runs the Maker Vision Podcast Instagram account, so if you have questions, you can reach out to her either way, and she'll be happy to help. Also, if you really enjoyed today's episode, or even if you didn't enjoy, enjoy today's episode, let us know. Give us a review. Hopefully it's a five-star review to show us that, hey, we've been doing good, but if you didn't, tell us what you didn't like about it because we're happy to hear from you either way. And once again, thank you for being a listener, and we hope to see you next week. 